On this episode of the Average Sean podcast, uh, me and Chris get together. It is one of the best times of year. NHL playoffs have kicked off. NBA playoffs are in full swing. Uh, Going to be up front. When we get to the Capitals talk, uh, or like even before that, we've, we've got some technical difficult technical difficulties that were going on, as I'm currently having some speaking difficulties. Uh, but boiled down to it, just my computer needed like a quick restart to be able to connect to the internet better. Uh, so kept the audio because we were already pretty deep into things. Didn't want to have to run back everything that we just did. Uh, so if you guys get through that, I appreciate the patience. Uh, but without any further long-winded explanations, let's just get right into the action. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Average Sean Podcast. Uh, as always, Chris is here with me. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's the best time of the year. We've got baseball going on. It takes a big backseat. we got NBA playoffs. I was going to say, that's, of the, course... that's the first thing that you list, and you're immediately like, yeah, that takes a backseat. <laughs> oh, and geez. ultimately, we've got NHL playoffs rearing and gearing after – Every series has played one game so far, and it is already the entertainment. Mm. Well, you say that, but and I know, like right before I hit the record button, I said that we were going to start with one thing, but you just set me up to do this. You say <laughs> the entertainment value is off the charts, but um, thanks for coming out, Nashville. Uh, well, okay, so <laughs> okay, so I will say this: if Nashville. Had a healthy UC Soros, that series would be a lot different. I know that's one player, but a goalie can dictate a lot on these series. And David Riddick got absolutely lit up last night. I mean, Colorado is by far the best roster in the entire league. Um, I don't, I don't know what else to say. They just, they hammered it home. The last two weeks of the season, um, you know, I guess kind of debunking my my theory and that was only one game we'll see what happens moving forward but the last two weeks of the season colorado was not looking that great um i believe they lost three or four straight at one point um kind of coasting into the playoffs but that might have been the best thing for them because i can tell you that like dude kale mccarr the freak of nature absolutely freak of nature um maybe them taking the gas the, the foot off the, the gas for a little bit help them rest up a bit um, because I can tell you they certainly did not look gassed last night. <laughs> I mean, I said this jokingly in our pre-recording chat, but you are coming with a measured of like, you know, maybe like something will bounce back or kind of like find like water will find its level. At least it sort of sounds like where you're going with it. I'm here for the hot takes. And personally, I think the entire Colorado avalanche roster should be arrested for abuse. Because oh. that that was brutal what they did to Nashville. Like a, a five spot in the first period, like giving a five goals in general. I know that we've seen a ton of goals this season in the, in the NHL, but five goals in the playoffs in the first period? Dude, that is a dog walking. I mean, they they come and they ended up with seven, and it was seven to zero, but you got five in the first period, like 
at, at that point, you're probably going in there and be like, all right, boys, let's let's play solid. Let's not let them score. And let's make sure we get out of here without anybody getting hurt tonight. I just, it, it was, I, I was, I was like, watching. I was like, there, there's no yeah, point. Pardon the brief pause, technical difficulties, but we're back. Um, yeah, no, that was bad. So, the uh, best of us. yes, yes, it does. But dude, that, I, I guess if you're the coaches of Nashville, you just tell them, don't even bother with the tape. We'll just go on to the next one. But basically, I mean, I think that it, uh, you would think that game one would be uh, the most important game in a series. And I, and I am sure that there are people out there that spin it that way, but I'll be honest, game one teams are just starting to get familiar with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of how many times they play during the regular season or not. I think that these playoff series, specifically in the NHL, more so than any other of the series based playoffs, um, every game is different. Every game has a totally different shape. Um, yeah, Nashville is definitely just saying, we're throwing that away. Let's forget about it. Start fresh. That was one loss. How many times during the regular season did they bounce back from one loss? I get they weren't playing Colorado every night, but the same thing can be said about Colorado. I will just like to say last year, Caps won the first game versus Boston pretty mightily too, and then ended up losing four straight. Well, um, well, let's let's actually right there. Let's go to the Capitals because speaking of winning game ones, most people, myself included, probably assumed that the Capitals were going to go down to Miami and not necessarily have what happened in Colorado happen to them, but yeah, figure that they were figure that they were you know right for a, a game one loss. But to their credit, Washington comes out. As you were telling me in the pre-meeting, uh, they are uniquely suited to play multiple different styles uh, or play against multiple different styles. But, I mean, I have a confession before we dive into this. I didn't watch the entirety of the game because at one point they were winning. I was still just kind of like, all right, well, Florida's going to come back. Everything will be all right. Like, it's, it's going to go as I expected it. And I flipped over to the Rangers Penguins game, which we'll get to in a minute. So I got to admit, are you still watching that as we speak? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it, it was like that. But I, I admit, though the Capitals are my team, I'm kind of, I, I guess I want to say like preparing myself for the inevitable or like what I feel like is inevitable sadness of a uh, postseason departure. And I moved like I was watching the the Rangers Penguins game because that that game in itself was just completely enrapturing. I didn't really see what happened in the Capitals uh, Panthers game. So what happened? I mean, early on, uh, Panthers the whole first period. I know it, it ended one one, um, but I would say the Caps were hands down the better team that period. Um, Florida looked like a team that hadn't been there before. We're taking a lot of stupid penalties. Um, they they had scored on a nice goal uh, with like two minutes left in the period. Um, Florida got to their game in the second cap. That was which was definitely the worst period for the 
And then the third, man, Caps came out, looked like the veteran team, stayed poised, uh, didn't quit, even though they were without one of their top players in Tom Wilson. Um, John Carlson last night was amazing on the band. Does not get enough credit for his defensive play, but there were multiple times last night he was in the middle breaking up things. Uh, there was one time he was on a, he was the lone defender on a three on one, ended up breaking it up and then flipping it up the ice and getting it to be a three on one the opposite way. Like uh, it, that, that type of stuff, they didn't end up scoring on it, but that type of stuff goes a long way. Um, Caps could have had more. I think uh, in the third alone, I'm pretty sure just pay, uh, Perry, sorry, watching the Tampa game. Um, Sherry hit a pipe right after um, Ovi got the, the primary assist on a koozie goal. And then obviously, Oshie ends up scoring the game winner. Um, it was a good game, man. I, I really, I cannot complain. Um, I think goaltending is, is going to be our backbone. Um if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, uh, then it's going to be a quick quick exit. Um, VTEC played well last night. I thought the penalty kill did a great job. And I think if we're talking about games within a game, the Caps came out and played a very strong first game. And yeah, that I feel confident saying that they can match whatever style they need to play against the opposing team. Florida plays a very run and gun offense, um, offensive style game. D is very much involved in the four in, in, in any type of offensive rushes. Uh, the Caps can play that way. The Caps have the experience to play that run and gun. They also have the the experience to play more possession game, which I think we saw a little bit of specifically in the third period last night. And then they can also play a heavy game. I mean, I think even without Wilson, man, that does not, we, we don't get talked about enough, but we've got guys that can lay the hammer without Tom Wilson, regardless of what the media says, our whole fourth line, I'd take against any fourth line in the league. Um, now, how we go about filling that Wilson hole, that's where it gets interesting. I, I like the, the idea of putting Sherry up there. That's what Laviolette did on the fly last night, and it worked. Do you slot in McMichael, who's has more experience than um, other options on our roster, uh, you know, on, our, on Hershey's roster or on our scra- healthy scratches? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it was a good game, man, I, and not to, to oil, overanalyze it, but – Caps played well. I would not say that they dominated, but they played well, and I'm I'm happy. Looking forward to game two. Let's go, Caps. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, I I feel a little bit dirty that I stopped watching the game, especially because I stopped it to watch the Penguins of all teams. But yeah, I, I got to be honest. That was a that was a marathon uh, watching that game, but. It was a really entertaining marathon, uh, so much so where there was, you know, even a little bit of controversy uh, towards the end of the third period where uh, the Rangers scored what could have been the game-winning goal. Uh, some people say that the Rangers player interfered with Pittsburgh's goalie, which is what the call ultimately was, uh, so the goal got revoked. Uh, some people I saw were saying that he got pushed into the goalie, uh, I admittedly was watching it on my very tiny uh, phone screen while I was in bed trying to go to bed uh, because, you know, I'm a teacher. I need to go to bed. Uh, what sleep? 
dude and this time it was i made the mistake earlier uh, i'll cut you off and i made the mistake earlier of being like man i really need to go to bed earlier and then i was like oh wait it's playoff time i can't go to bed early <laughs> well i'm i remember distinctly texting you going like all right fuck these assholes because i gotta go to bed i gotta wake up at five in the morning and here they are running the triple overtime game like come on guys like i i know that i'm doing this for the podcast but I still have a day job right now. Like, cut me some slack. Somebody score. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it truly was. Like, it was, it was a very entertaining game uh, for what ultimately ended up being – what was the final score? Like, four to three? Uh, or three to two? Yeah, I think it was four to No, three. it was four to three, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, really, really well-played game. Um, you know, it was – I hate to say it, but Crosby did some Crosby things. Uh, Pittsburgh – you know, looks looks solid. The Rangers definitely also looked solid. Uh, their defenseman Fox is a beast. Oh, I uh, he's well, good. I, I I definitely he's very good. I would take him on my team any day of the week. Uh, but in the Fox versus McCarr debate, I'm going McCarr any day of the week. Okay, well, I didn't compare him to McCarr. Okay, so call, same same class. Well, they're they're going to be compared until the day they retire. <laughs> Calm yourself down over there because I am the average Joe when it comes to hockey. No, you're average Sean podcast. <laughs> Shut up. Uh. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but no, so I am the average hockey fan. And unlike the average football fan, which because America is obsessed with football, I would say has a better chance of knowing what draft class somebody was taken in. The, the hockey draft classes are... Um, long and reading through them might be a little arduous so did i know that he was in the same draft class as mccarr no and i will thank you to leave me alone about it and when i compare him to himself by saying he's a beast just let me have my moment aye aye captain (laughs) he is a beast though i i will say that um i i so this series is about to take a really interesting turn um i don't know if you heard but so Obviously, watching the game, Penguins were without UC, um, not UC Saros, that was Nashville. The other starting goalie that's out, um, Jari, Tristan Jari, to start the series. And he's probably not playing this entire playoffs. They haven't officially said that, but that's probably going to be the case. Um, their starter last night, Casey Smith, gets hurt. They said it was cramps. You were watching the game closer than I was. There, there was nothing that really, like, he just kind of skated off, and, and no one knew what was going on. So they were, even this morning on my drive into work, NHL Radio was talking about uh, it was, that it was cramps. Well, so, and then we get the spicy pork man, Louis Domingue, coming in, which I'm sure you've, you've heard about at this point. I mean, for, for, first of all, uh, Louis Domingue. Uh, in case you didn't hear, Louis Domingue. And in a serious point, uh, I will now be having spicy pork and broccoli before every major event of my life. I'm, I'm kidding, of course, because... Uh, good luck. Hope you don't shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm also a wuss when it comes to spice, which is why I said, uh, just kidding. But... Well, so I, I have a few thoughts on that. But I mean, look, I, these guys are world-class athletes. I do have to say, Louis Domingue, man, interesting kind of journeyman... Um, he had a brief stint with the with the um the the Lightning a few years ago where he was on fire, bounced around a bunch, was in Jersey for a little bit, was out in Arizona. To be completely honest, I didn't even know he was still in the league. Uh, he's technically the third goalie in the uh, Pittsburgh system, 
right now. Um, obviously with Jari being the first and DeSmith being the second. But now they're saying... Oh. I, I, I have to cut you off here because I I pulled up the Boston Carolina game on my phone. And oh, boy. Things, it was 3-0. Things are getting chippy. Cause, As um, I'm watching the Leafs and Bolts go at each other's necks right now. <laughs> so right now there are three Bruins in the penalty box and two Hurricanes in the penalty box. Uh, it looks like we're playing five on four still, but uh, there were some guys who were told to uh, take their constructive criticism and and, and take it elsewhere. Uh, so that this game's getting a little heated. Uh, Boston finally scored one uh, on a power play. I think they scored like less than 20 seconds into it, which is really impressive. But uh, Marchand was doing Marchand things, kind of, kind of made it, uh, some sort of comment towards Carolina's backup goaltender after you know their starter got hurt. Uh, the goalies, the, the goalie was not having it, uh, and Marchand let him go back. You know, some nothing too. Oh, Carolina's actually now on a two-man advantage. So this is getting spicy. So, oh, some dude just got cleaned out in the middle of the rink. Oh, boy. Complete blindside hit. This is getting rough. Happy playoffs. Uh, (laughs) Like you said, man, I love this time of year, and I know you do too. But, oh, my goodness, that. All right. So, sorry. Where where were we? Louis Domingue. Louis Domingue. But, oh, so now. Louis Domingue. The, yeah, Louis Domingue, journeyman. I mean, obviously, he's in the back nine of his career. Has never really been the number one guy. He's always been that like pseudo first, or he's gone through stretches of being really hot. But now, I don't know if you've heard this, but obviously, the Smith goes out last night with quote unquote cramps. We don't know what the the, the reason is. Well, Pittsburgh called up their backup from the AHL. Meaning DeSmith probably is not playing tomorrow, meaning that they're going with a tandem of Domingue and whoever their backup is in the minors. I'm going to make a movie reference here. I am going to say it where it's uh, nothing. Oh, Carolina just scored. Uh, I am nothing. Four to one. But uh, I'm going to keep this vague, but those who know the movie will know what the question that comes after this is, but uh, right now it sounds like DeSmith might go up to the bar and order himself a vodka cranberry. Anyone who's a fan of The Departed will know what comes next. So I don't know what comes next, so I guess I'll have to wait and see. I'll tell you off the recording. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, well, so I don't know. They they haven't made an announcement on DeSmith. He did not practice today with the team. Um uh, yeah, interesting, man. That's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting series. I so the Rangers are notably bad five on five. So in the playoffs, you get less power plays. Refs are not calling as many things. Rangers are not a good five on five team. Heading into last night, I know that they were 18th in the league in overall five on five goals. Yes, I'm a geek. Caps were 10th, if you're at all wondering. Um, but you had multiple non-playoffs teams between the Caps at 10 and Rangers at 18. No one, no playoff team was worse than the Rangers at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, Sir, you're bringing numbers to an opinion fight, and I'd like to ask you to stop it. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rangers lost that game because they couldn't score a 5-on-5 five five goal. 
And as for the Kako goalie interference, he got pushed, but at the end of the day, you can't go into the blue paint and wreck the goalie. And that I think the right call was made. So that's my opinion on that. I I'm neither here nor there on it. Uh, I'll trust your your word on it because you know a little bit more than I a lot more than I do. I should not say a little bit in that regard. You know a lot more than I do. Uh, I love that. Well, okay, you've been paying attention longer than I have, and, and a little bit more uh, full heartedly. But I will say that to me, I I always look at that and go, I don't know how to make that call because if that was me on a pair of skates getting pushed. It, to, it, I look at it compared to like being on a lacrosse field on the crease. If you get pushed in the back in the lacrosse field, like to, to be moved, that's, that's gotta be pretty, a pretty forceful push. I mean, in hockey, you're on little tiny metal blades of death on a sheet of ice. Moving quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, at that point, like, how does he come to a stop? Like, does he do that thing where, like, you know, they turn their feet to the side and then all of a sudden he, like, sprays the goalie with a ton of ice? That wildly pisses everybody off because uh, you don't do that to the goalies. Even I know that. It's, like, in, in that moment, like, I – watching it full speed and, of course, the, the TV product does not yep. do the on-ice product justice. Agreed. It, to it's me – fast. I am – not jealous of the refs who had to make those calls because that's an impossible situation to be in. I, yeah. And ultimately the right call was made in my opinion. Um, You get pushed. That's fine. The thing is, is that he made no attempt to avoid the goalie and he had, he, because the contact was made outside the blue paint. Um, you know, he, he, it's not like he stopped his momentum. He didn't try to, he just kind of trucked the goalie and you can't do that. Um, it, that's, that maybe would have flown, you know, past 10 years ago, not in today's game. The goalies are protected more, um, just like NFL quarterbacks, the same, same type of deal, rightly for good, so. For good so, reason too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're the only players that can't defend themselves, specifically their heads and their legs. Um, obviously, um, two very important parts of any human, let alone a goalie's body. <laughs> uh, Chris, other than the gallbladder, name me a part of the human body that isn't important. Maybe the pinky toe? Spleen. Okay, yeah, you got me there. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, e- either way, um, I... Looking at this, I think the one thing that is probably going to happen, which is unfortunate because they were on the losing side of it, is you're at home as the Rangers and you lose that game in triple overtime. The deflation that just is going to naturally come with that is, is inevitable and completely understandable. So if they come out wicked flat in game two, that's something where I look and go like, I mean – as a Rangers fan, I'm sure they're very passionate. They won't be happy about it. But as a kind of like bystander watching, like I'd look at them and be like, I can't blame them. I mean, it was a marathon game. You lost at home. And like all of your emotion just got, got drained. And the physical nature. That's another thing that doesn't get talked about is that to, to start the overall series, let alone the playoffs – by basically playing two full games, as I'm holding up three fingers, two full games in the span of one, I'm thinking three overtimes, um, to essentially play almost two full games 
and then lose the emotional deflating aspect of that is 1000% there. But also you are now in the, this, the part of the season that you train for, you know, I know they play 82 regular season games and that's a marathon within itself involving a lot of travel, not as much travel during the playoffs, but you were playing every other day, intense hockey. I don't care who you are. You watch a, a random game in the middle of February. And then you watch the, the games last night, the games tonight, the intensity level is through the roof different. As you're talking about the Boston series, I'm talking about the Toronto series a second ago. It is, it's exhausting. It is the hardest, in my opinion, it is the hardest trophy to win because of the length of the playoffs. It is two months of absolute war on your body. I would 100% agree with where you're going with this. It's not a lot of travel. Okay. And, and, and during the regular season of the NHL, there's a lot of travel. You're jumping time zones all over the place. The games are kind of randomly spaced out. There's no series in the playoffs. You're, you're, you're stationary, but you've got, I mean, you have to take care of your body. You're not practicing as much. The t- the coaches will typically give you a little more leeway to take a day off here and there. Um, but then there's the mental aspect. If you make a run playoffs started what May 1st, I don't think the Stanley Cups until the end of June. That is two months of every single, every other night being as laser focused and on top of your physical game as humanly possible. And one of my favorite parts of this of of when every season concludes after the Stanley Cup, about a day or two later, you start hearing about all the the injuries that the guys played through, and it's typically a laundry list of guys that. We're playing through separated shoulder, busted, you know, broken ankle. He's got to go for knee surgery, broken finger, you know, uh, all, it's just, it, it's, it's war. I don't know what else to say. And I think that with Pittsburgh, they might've won last night. I, I think that they won and they got the emotional boost, but the Rangers have the younger team that's going to benefit them. Igor Shosturkin is a freaking monster in that. I don't oh, care. He was, how... so, he was so good last time. Dude, I mean, so it, good. It's, but it's the Lundqvist effect. I, I think the, my, I saw a few really good tweets today, but one of my favorite ones this morning was uh, Lundqvist having Vietnam flashbacks to the game last <laughs> night. <because laughs> been making like the, 70. The choppers in the background and uh, what was Dude. it? Fortunate son playing on the speakers. <laughs> making 79 saves and still losing. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like that does not fall on that goalie at all. Oh no, dude, um, he's he stood on his head. Dude, he's he is the real deal. I will say that there's you can dislike the Rangers as much as you humanly want. Igor Shosturkin is a top five, if not higher than that goalie in this league. Um, and it, but it, and the the interesting caveat is that now you got Pittsburgh, who's going to be running basically with a minor league goalie tandem. It sounds like. Also, Pittsburgh is a much older team. I love Crosby. I mean, well, I don't. I actually hate Crosby, but you have to respect him. Do we? I'm only saying that because, yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> um, the I mean, wear and tear. We were just talking about the wear and tear. No, it's just, yeah. It's like a double-edged sword as to who I would want to face in the next round um, if the Caps were to advance, but... The wear and tear that these guys put on their bodies, and you think about all the long runs that Pittsburgh's had, and the amount—I mean, on top of you throwing Olympics and whatnot, specifically for their top, you know, their core guys—they played a lot of hockey, and this is probably their last run. I would have to imagine. I tend to think that Malkin gets traded after this year, so there's that emotional element playing into this. Um, but who knows? That's a that's a good series. Yeah, I'm rambling about this Pittsburgh Rangers series, but I mean, so. 
I think it's it's worth a ramble though, and and this was the series that we were initially going to kick the podcast off with. Um, I just decided to take the flow of what you were giving me and and run with it. Um, but kind of like Memphis and Minnesota with the NBA's first round, like I think that so so far, granted, one game, sure, but so far this is shaping up to be one of the top two best series in the first round and it might not be two i mean tampa and and toronto looks like it's getting some some fireworks going with it uh that that's getting physical um it looks like our tampa is going to take this one so after game two it'll be tied up one to one uh which makes you know tells me it's going to be tighter things like that uh i'll admit what we can jump to this one really quick I, i didn't watch any of the Kings uh, Oilers game, mostly because of time. And as I said earlier, man's got to work, which means man's got to sleep. I only watched the first period the other night, but yeah, I East coast props. My, uh, my only analysis of that game was waking up to you telling me that this is the time of the year that McJesus hates. And my only reply being to come up with countless parodies of the, our father. Uh, Well, I'll say this. It's not McDavid's fault. It's, it's not his fault, man. Um, where do I even start? We talk about the five-on-five five thing with the with the Rangers. The Kings are not a flashy team at all. I wouldn't even say that they're that much of a gritty team. They're kind of just, honestly, I don't think they really have much of an identity. They're just a team. They play well as a team together. Um they have a coaching staff who's won two Stanley Cups. They have an experienced goaltender, um, a, a former world-class goaltender. I'd say he's definitely taken a step back, but, I mean, he was absolutely out of his mind for about six or seven years in elite caliber. Um, we they we are have... talking about Jonathan Quick, right? Yes, we're talking about Jonathan Quick. Okay, um, I just wanted to make sure because I was like, I think we're talking about Quick, but I should probably clarify just in case. Yeah, I, yeah. At the end of the day, you can blame that loss on Mike Smith for for mishandling the puck, and uh, it's it's what you get. You know, you can kind of compare it to scrambling quarterbacks in the sense that it's risky. Um, playing the puck as a goalie has always been a hit or miss thing. A lot of guys are not good at playing the puck, but then you get the few that are, and they essentially act as like another defenseman that that can hit on those stretch passes. The trapezoid that everyone hates is literally there because of Marty Brodeur, because he was so good at, ha- at handling the puck. He would be able to essentially make stretch passes and boom, bing, bong, boom. He would be up right up the ice and, uh, you know, they'd, they'd score, get a you know a huge rush off of it. Um, Patrick Waugh was very good at it as well. Uh, Mike Smith is very good at handling the puck. So, you know, as a goalie, and as a coach, you give your goalie free reign to do that then. And they got burned with it. Um, the Kings are a much better five-on-five team. And unless the Kings get called for a ton of penalties and start going undisciplined, the, the, the Oilers got to find some depth scoring. Connor cannot do everything, and I think that's just what you're seeing. Simple as that. Um LA's dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and they're in the playoffs. They they don't have studs. Their their best guy, their best skater, or most known skater is Drew Doughty, and he's out for the year. 
that yeah that's definitely something that'll make it tougher um again i didn't really watch it i don't feel like i can dive too deep into it so while i'm glossing over that one uh because again don't really have much knowledge on it i'm also going to quickly gloss over calgary and dallas it, it was a one nothing game one uh, probably like hotly contested. Uh, I have a future on Calgary, so I am pulling for the flames. Uh, as much as I think Dallas, I, I love their sweaters. Uh, unless they do those weird all whites that they broke out once. That was weird. Dude, Dallas. Yeah. They like, they came out, as like white from top to bottom. And it was, it's one of those like, uh, did somebody not think this one through kind of moments, <laughs> but I, I, I like Calgary's, uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the city of Dallas, I despise the Cowboys with all my all my being. But and the Mavericks, right, Lucas, fun to watch. Uh, and the Stars, a fun franchise. I, I kind of really like the Stars. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for the Flames because uh, again, future money bets. I mean, safe bet. Say, uh, look, I think the uh, you you look at last night and you you had mentioned some that oh, it was one nothing. There's a few things that I play there. They only allowed 16 shots on net. Yikes. <laughs> so here's the thing, though, is that when they hired hired Daryl Sutter to be their coach, he is as old school. I, he might be the most, quote, unquote, old school coach in the league right now. And you can search, just Google his name, and you'll see various quotes about the playoffs about defensive hockey. He's not about flashiness. They won one nothing last night off a goal they scored within the first five minutes, maybe eight minutes of the game. I think first five, though, on a power play, on a set play. Gorgeous goal. Um, and then they just locked it down. Man, they – that's old school hockey. Um, it was a physical game. And basically just shot suppression. Just do not allow shots on net, and that's exactly what they did. Um Daryl Sutter's been there before with various teams. And, yeah, I think the Flames are a good bet for that series. Um, yeah. So, again, I'm only going to kind of gloss over it. I only know so much about it. I didn't really watch any of it, East Coast probs. Um, but I'm also going to gloss over it because I want to jump to the game that was such an anomaly that I honestly forgot it happened because it seemed so weird. And it's the last series that we have to, to kind of touch on. Wow. Not, yeah. For oh. like dropping four, nothing to the blues at home. I mean, yeah, the you, game you felt I, a lot closer. I, and that's the thing. Like you and I talked, like we were expecting that to be like one of the hardest hitting like slug fest type of, of series that could end up being one of the best. And for all I know, it will end up being one of the best series in the first round, but that four, nothing score was, Okay, this time pun intended. I'm coming with the heat. Oh boy, let's hear it. Flames were last series, but yeah. I mean the the four score was kind of wild to me. Huh? Huh? What were they singing the blues? Yes, they were. And you know what? <laughs> pun intended on that one too. Um, I so the, of all the teams playing, those two teams know each other the best. Yeah. All right. I watched that entire game the other night. Um. It did not feel like a 4-0 game. It was a vicious game, lots of hard hitting. Um, I think what ended up getting St. Louis to victory, Minnesota allows a lot of odd man rushes on their power play. 
So they're they're taking high risk. They're into they're going far down into the zone. They're giving a lot of shorthanded stuff. Um, no shorthanded goal. Uh, actually, they might have scored a shorthanded goal the other night. But regardless, they're. they're People say, oh, well, power play goals are the biggest momentum swing you can get back and forth. I would argue shorthanded goals. Bingo. Because that's where the juice comes. Shorthanded goals or a a ridiculous penalty kill. Either or. And I think that that's really what topped it off uh, in the last game. And don't forget, there were some empty netters in there as well. So game was closer than what what the final score was. so they had two power play goals, a Ryan O'Reilly goal in the first, and uh, Perrin got their last two goals, um, uh, one in the second, one in the third. It, it doesn't say anything about shorthanded or not, so I don't know. I will also say, I think that the thing that definitely surprises me about this is, and I know he's getting older, but just the idea of a Marc-Andre Fleury being involved in a 4 nothing shutout and he's on the wrong side of it, that that will forever weird me out. Oh, I mean, I don't think he played bad. Once again, I don't think Minnesota played bad. I think St. Louis is the more experienced team. St. Louis is the bigger team. I still have Minnesota winning this series. Um, you could say it would be a wild comeback. <laughs> I mean, it was only one nothing. We'll see. I think tonight's game. We I mentioned a lot of people think that game one is the most important because it sets the sets the tone, or at least that would be the assumption. You would think game one super important. Game three after game two, you've the series officially has its tone. You kind of know what the matchups that the coaches are going to use. Game three is where the tone is really set. You can come back from two nothing. Coming back from three nothing is not impossible. It's happened, but it's nearly impossible. Um, so once again, we're still seeing the matchups. Coaches are making tweaks all the time within the first two games. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, um, St. Louis won, I guess, at this point three years ago, even though it feels like yesterday because of COVID, two COVID seasons. But um, that's, a, that's a good series. If you're going to watch something later tonight, I would recommend that St. Louis game. I will be lucky if I'm awake in an hour, if I'm being honest about it. So uh, now now we've hit everything NHL. Let's jump over to NBA because we are now into the second round officially. Uh, And I got to say, especially early on, this is this is a hard round to figure out. So we'll I'll start with the easiest what feels like the easiest one with uh, Philadelphia, Miami. Uh, right now, Miami is up 11 in the third quarter uh, against Philly. Both games have been in Miami, as a series typically goes. Great podcasting, Sean. Uh, but Joel Embiid is out because uh, he took what some people would call a cheap shot in the previous round. Uh, his orbital bone is broken. Ouch. Um, but Embiid is undoubtedly one of the best players in the N- NBA at this time. Uh, the unfortunate thing for him is just that he's – often very injured as unfortunately tends to be the case with big men. It's just the way the human body goes, but without him, these Sixers are a completely different team. Uh, James Harden is not James Harden anymore. He's just, he's kind of just a guy, Uh, but that, that series right now just kind of feels like it, it was over before it started just because of the Embiid injury. 
I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but the, like the other ones so far, Phoenix and Dallas has only had one game so far. Kind of hard to get a read on that, especially when the game was only seven points. Yes, seven points is multiple possessions, but in the NBA with how quickly things move, a seven-point lead, it's, it's not that much. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to really watch the game. Again, East Coast probs, not that we're beating that to death or anything at this point. But no, we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no clue really what the flow of the game was like. I, I would love to watch Phoenix more uh, just because I, I feel like they're an incredibly fun team. But I don't know how that's going to go. Um, really, the biggest wild card so far has actually been Boston and Milwaukee because the two games that they have played have been um, weird. In terms of the spread, to say the least, I, Milwaukee won the first game by 12 on Boston's home floor. And then in game two, Boston won by 23. It's kind of a big swing there. So, no, like, no clue what's going on in that one. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. And I know Milwaukee won the first, the first game, obviously, but... And I know it was by twelve. What you said was a twelve-point final difference. Yeah. As far as I, I saw and read, Milwaukee absolutely throttled Boston. They did, and honestly, the reason why they did was because they basically just said, "Hey, we're going to let you shoot as many threes as you want, and if you try to get the ball in the paint, we've got this dude named Giannis in here. <laughs> uh, we've also got Brooke Lopez, and they've got one other guy." Where I think like Giannis Lopez and for the life of me, I can't remember who the third is. Uh, middle, got, um, middle, Middleton's no. out right now, but um, whoever the other third guy is that gets regular minutes, the three of them are taller than anyone on Boston's roster who gets playing time. So um, hot take being tall in the NBA matters kind of helps. But really just Boston shot a ton of threes and they missed a ton of threes, uh, which gave Milwaukee a bunch of opportunities to go down and score. Uh, game two, Boston played much better. They, they made a lot more of their jumpers, uh, which will, of course, affect how the defense plays you because if you're actually making your jumpers, they, they kind of want to guard you. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be one of those where I, I think these two teams are just, I don't want to say different stylistically, but... Game one, Boston plays what will probably be their worst game of the series. And then by comparison, Milwaukee comes out in games t- game two and plays what will probably be their worst game in the series. So yeah, I, I have no clue what to expect because it's just, all right, you guys, you got your dud games out of the way. Now let's let's get into it and let's, let's get moving here with both teams playing at their best. Well, and it goes back to what I was just saying, that I, I game one, eh. Yeah, you can. It it does not dictate the series as much as you would think. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's fair. I I think basketball might be a little bit different, just because like the in basketball talent wins more frequently than anything else. Now the, the NBA at this point is a little bit better in terms of parity than it has been, which is True. why you know this season feels a lot more open than it has in the past and. Actually, frankly, why the, the playoffs have felt better because I, I actually don't know what's going to happen for once, or at least I don't feel like I know what's going to happen. 
I'm surprised but, you haven't brought up the Memphis series. Hold on. <laughs> you always save the best for last. Don't false start. Back it up five yards. No, that's football. I don't care. Back it up. But uh, no. So uh, it, that one's just it. That I got to see another game out of that one because I got to see what happens. Uh, you know when they. Again, they, they've gotten their dud games out of the way. At least I think they have. So let's see what happens when they're both hopefully playing at their best. Uh, it is one thing where I look at these games and I always kind of commend hockey for this compared to the NBA is that the NHL has a lot more, I guess you could describe it as a, a giddy up in their scheduling. And that's a, hey, let's get these games going. Whereas the NBA is like, so we want to have like a day for travel, a day for people to hang out, and then we might consider playing another game. They don't do every other night? No, they don't. The scheduling with the NBA playoffs is super weird and honestly really obnoxious. So I thought they basically played every other night, or occasionally they'll go back-to-back, like game six and seven will be back-to-back. No, they, uh, they will never go back-to-back. There's always a night in between. Uh, they... Actually, no, they wouldn't even do that for the the uh, championship series because that's their most important one. So, I really, if you like, if you look at the schedule for it, it, it's never a consistent every other day. I think early in the playoffs, it's closer to that. So when they play like the two home games, so like Boston, Milwaukee, both games in Boston, they played them with one night in between. But now that they're traveling to Milwaukee, I don't think they play again until. They played on Tuesday night. I don't think they play again until either Friday or Saturday. See, I don't like that, man. And I, I can only imagine as the, the players don't either. Obviously, I, I've never even heard it discussed to the point where I'm surprised that the scheduling is even what it is. I think one of the, the, the positives across the board you can with, with hockey playoffs is you can talk about the every other day and the exhausting um, motion of it. But once you are in that routine – of game day, rest day, game day, rest day. As a player, that's what you want. You know, there's a reason why NFL players are so schedule oriented. And before you had these Thursday night games thrown in there and, um, and whatnot, it, you know, NFL always played occasional Saturday games late in the season, but Sunday, Monday, right? So the, 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 these athletes are so routine based. I'm surprised that NBA in, in the most important part of their season for TV viewership, goes random <laughs> well that's the thing i think the randomness is to try and pick the like the the pockets that will get them the most viewers and i don't know if it's successful or not i mean i i'd love to see like some numbers on it just so i could like see like oh like is this actually successful compared to like you know run a couple seasons the way that they do it now with the sporadic scheduling but then like do a couple seasons with like the every other day and just like see what the differences are, because like you said, I have to imagine that, you know, knowing when every game is going to be and having it that be like as a viewer, hey, they just play today. They'll play again in two days. And that's the consistent like awesome. Like I, I, I would as a fan, I would love that because I would know when the team that I want to watch is playing. So, yeah, I mean, things obviously between series with the NHL get weird, right? Because not everyone finishes at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, like, some if you finish a series early, you're sitting for possibly a week 
right into starting the next series because you have to wait for the other one to finish it you know your opponent's series to finish up yeah. and i think once they get into i think probably just the finals um you'll start getting two days between between games because they do want to make sure that they hit those like friday or saturday main tv pockets um and when it's the like the championship series i don't blame them for that like that yeah. makes the most sense especially also like yes for the tv viewership but also just for like player health because you know you get them an extra day of recovery to me that would signal or at least like give me the idea that they're you're more likely to get a better product is it a guarantee no but do i understand that thought process absolutely well so speaking of product there's a it's kindly it's kind of it's not even really disputed the first and second round are considered the best products of the entire season after the second round guys are so fatigued that it turns into a lot of really sloppy hockey um not to say that the games aren't great and obviously closely contested but across the board the teams are just beyond fatigued so we are in the prime thick of the best really month of the season um because every night has four games um every that that go basically from 7 p.m until two in the morning just about 1 32 in the morning and it, it it's every other day i mean it, your team plays every other day so it's great enjoy it um but yeah the, the players are going through absolute hell right now <laughs> yeah now let's wrap up things on this you mentioned it you fall started had to back it up five we're bringing it back forward five yards I thought Memphis, Minnesota was a fantastic series, and it, it was. It definitely was. But Memphis and Golden State looks like it's going to be about the same, if not better. I mean, this series is fun to watch. So are we are we watching? So Java once again, man, taking over, right? I heard this comparison, and I was trying to think of who the best person to compare John Morant to. Uh, in terms of like style of play. And the first thing I will say is a caveat. He's not going to be able to keep up this style of play for long because it's just not conducive to the human body being able to maintain it. Plus the amount of shots that he takes is not conducive to long-term success in terms of winning. Now that that's out of the way, John Morant is a taller Allen Iverson and I fucking love it. He is so much fun to watch. And I got to admit, like, unlike Russell Westbrook, who was very much uh, in his prime, a, like, downhill, I'm going to go to the bucket. Uh, I am going to, like, be the star of, you know, the, the entertainment value. Uh, you're, you're, like, you're not just coming to a show, but you're going to get a circus while you're at the show. Uh, and not to say that, you know, he was a clown or anything. I'm saying, like, it was that sort of entertainment. He had some clown aspect to him. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But <laughs> I, I think, honestly, the big, like, dividing line between what Westbrook is and what Morant is, is that Westbrook had a clear superstar next to him who, without a doubt, was better than Westbrook because Kevin Durant is far and away better than Russell Westbrook because it's 
I mean, people were arguing whether he was the best in the league versus LeBron or not. And you, you can't be better than a dude who's being argued with as being best in the league. So that that's not a discussion. It's just, it's just a subjective, albeit, but a subjective fact. So with Morant, he's got good pieces around him, but you don't have that bona fide superstar with him much the same way that Iverson didn't. And you could even say like young Derrick Rose pre-injuries as well, but I, I think Iverson's a more apt comparison where Morant definitely gets his teammates more involved. At least it feels like he does compared to an Iverson, but I don't think Iverson had the quality of role players around him that Morant does. And if there's anything that the city of Memphis has kind of been able to put together in terms of basketball, they have some grit and grind, like tough dudes on the team who like you're going to get some, it is a battle, which means that when it's a battle, that means your role players are really freaking good and also really freaking tough. So Morant does take a lot of shots and he does take a lot of the shine, but there are some better pieces around him than Iverson had in the past. But Morant brings that sort of style and flair, just the spice to his game. He just, when he jumps, like it's, you sit there and the the dude legitimately defies gravity. And like he, like he jumps, he does like four, five, six moves before he even shoots the ball in midair. And you're just watching like, how do you do this? And I know that this is going to be a short-lived product, but damn, in the moment, this is so much fun to watch. And then and he's only 22. Yeah. And then you get um, the Warriors who, in turn, Jordan Poole is a, kind of a revelation right now. Uh, but you've still got the name brand of Stephen Clay, albeit not what they used to be. Uh, but you've got that. And Draymond. Well, I was going to get to him. You got Draymond being the pot stirrer that he is. uh, Getting thrown out. Yes. But then also, and keep in mind, we just talked about hockey and how rough and tumble it is. So is the comparison of toughness between the NBA and the NHL on two totally different planes? Absolutely. So when I say this, make sure that you understand I am talking about this in the context of NBA toughness, not NHL toughness. But, dude, Golden State was playing a little dirty in their last game. And I'm not going to lie, like, chippiness and a little bit of a rivalry makes these series fun. Like, Draymond comes out, and, yeah, he got kicked out of the game, but, like, he comes out and publicly says, like, I hate Memphis. And to his credit, like, leagues get better when there's a good villain. And he might be kind of – he's kind of the old man on the block nowadays, but old man on the block can still be a villain. Which so, is crazy because it doesn't feel like that long ago that he was in college. It, it really doesn't. But I, that's the trade-off of having a dude who stays for four years or five in some case. Uh, you know, their their NBA career is just – it feels much shorter. But, he like, he is the old dude on the block. He's not really, like, an offensive superstar. Actually, no, he's not even an offensive star. He's more of a liability right now. But, yeah, you get a dude who's going to come out and willingly say some stuff like that. And the city of Memphis, which – I, again, I've already said this, but the city has gone like full send on being the city of Memphis. I mean, they're they're playing like whoop that trick at the top volume that their speakers can go to. And you got like the grannies and the grandpas in the stand like chanting that going like 
full, full, I already said full send. I don't know what to describe it as, but like they're just going all in on it. It is so much fun to watch. Um, I, it's I nice just, to have these smaller cities it, it having really, re- being in you know, like relevant terms with the NBA. It really is. And then like by like a similar token, they I'm sure the two cities kind of have like a little bit of a rivalry being in the same state, but with the Predators and you know what like what have they nicknamed their stadium? The Grindhouse. And the fans there go bonkers for the Preds, which you would not expect in the city of Nashville. Just like, you know, you go to the city of Memphis, maybe memphis like university basketball sure but you know i don't really they don't even the the titans don't even play there they play outside in nashville yeah so like i I don't really think of like memphis as like one of the top places that i would think of in terms of like sports fandom but you know right now to me they're i'm growing in love of the city of memphis in terms of like their fandom because right now they seem like a i I don't want to say east coast because they're not east coast but a eastern version of like what seattle and portland are where those two cities whatever sport they have they go all in on them and the the fans get crazy passionate i mean if if you don't believe me watch the portland timbers play the seattle sounders in soccer the united states as a whole does not care about soccer (laughs) but when when those two cities get together to play in soccer oh it's it's on it is on it Seattle is that way with all their teams. Yeah, and I mean Portland's also the same way with the Trailblazers. Just they they don't have as many opportunities for me to say like, oh yeah, they're about that with all their teams. Um, put the Sonics back in Seattle, please do it, do it, <laughs> do it sooner rather than later. The, the league needs it. Seattle deserves it. But no, I was just it's much like the parody is refreshing seeing a city that is just so unabashedly themselves and like you know the identity of the city of memphis i wish every game of this series could be played in there no shame to san francisco but it's just a different culture in memphis and that culture is so much fun to watch you hit the nail right on the head my friend Uh, well, on that note, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up because I feel like that's a pretty clean finish. Uh, clean finish. A- admittedly, I will also say one sporting note. Uh, I know jack all about horse racing, but the Kentucky Derby <laughs> is this weekend. Uh, without a doubt, this is unquestionable. The Kentucky Derby is the most electric two minutes in sports. You, you want to come at me with another argument? Take that bullshit somewhere else. I'm not having it. So I don't know anything about horse racing. I will. My dad usually does the thing where like we just randomly draw numbers and whoever's in that slot, like that's your horse for the uh, for the race. So whoever I end up drawing, I'll be rooting like heck for that horse. But other than that, man, I just I just love watching the Derby. It's so much fun. So you're not going to rep Preakness? (laughs) Much like the city of Memphis is a different culture compared to like San Francisco, the Derby is its own culture. It's like, by the time they get to the Belmont, I could care less. Preakness I pay attention to just because it's in Maryland. But by the, like, by the time that they get to Belmont, dude, I got to rip the old Baltimore, hun. Well, yeah. And now granted they keep trying to take the Preakness out of Baltimore. Can't necessarily blame them, 
Yeah. Uh, but either way, it's like I watch that more out of like hometown pride than I do. Like I love the event. The the Derby is a bucket list item, and I don't describe the Preakness the same way. And that's kind of the different the differentiating factor for me. I would agree with that. It's 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 got a classier feel. <laughs> Honestly, not even like, I mean, I guess the classiness does kind of drum this up, but like, you just, you want to be there. Like, you, you look at all that and you're like, all right, you know, you enjoy the funny hats and the craziness of it. And sure, like the funny hats come with like a, uh, a air of like highfalutin class society and all that sort of stuff. But dude, you go to an event like that and you get to get dressed up and you have every right and you are promoted to wear like the most ridiculous hats ever. Truth. Uh, that, sure, man. I mean, that, that sort of seems like a formal party that knows how to have some fun and I'm here for it. Well, what is it? You just got to drop the $1,000 on the, the mint julep? Well, you know what? At that point, if, if you're going to pay for a derby ticket, you might as well go all in and, and get the fun stuff. I can get that fun stuff for a lot cheaper at the liquor store. <laughs> but you can't get it for any cheaper at the Derby. And like I said, the Derby is a bucket list item. Doesn't mean you have to do it consistently. Just means That's, that you have to experience it once. That is true. So on that note, uh, everyone, keep enjoying playoffs. Like Chris said, we are in one of the best times of year. I will disagree with him that it's the best time because I love the opening weekend of March Madness. Uh, but Comparable, though. We're in like but, rapid fire of all this stuff. It all oh. blurs together. Oh, ab- absolutely. So uh, everyone, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, please comment, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, and also just thanks for listening. I- I've gotten to a point now where I'm actually starting to make some money off of this. Um, I-, I didn't know it would ever actually get to this sort of point. I know this is at the tail end of the podcast, but just thanks, guys. Like it- I, Whether you get to this point and hear it or not, just I appreciate it. We'll see Sean you guys next week. some gratitude. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>